0: Welcome to the BC Podcast, featuring a weekly message from Believer's Church in Warren, Ohio. For more information, visit www.believers.cc. Again, welcome to Believer's Church. If you're visiting today, we're so glad you're here. And if you're, uh, you know, checking God out, I'm really excited you're here. We, uh, I have a message today that I would say is for Christians, but if you're not a Christian, it's going to it's going to impact and bless your lives greatly. You're going to learn so much about God and the heart of God. Uh, I want to open with a story. I have a problem in my life with dairy. And if I eat dairy, it's, it's, like, um, it's like my sinuses fill up. And for 24 hours, I'll feel like someone puts a band around my chest, and they're, they're tightening it, and there's just this pressure on my chest. As soon as I don't eat it, I'm, I'm fine. So it's an allergic reaction. So I share that to share this. Um, about 15 years ago I was in much better shape and Gina came to me and she said I want to run a marathon she I said that's great have fun and uh and and so uh (laughs) she said I'd like you to train with me I need a training partner would you train with me and I said honey I've always been a one mile and out kind of guy and uh sprints I said "I, I I don't know she said, please, and you know when your wife says, please, you have to. And uh, so, so, so I told her, okay, I need to get in shape anyway, and in better shape. So uh, we began our training. We, you know, we figured out how to you train, and we worked the calendar, and we had our short days, our long days. We kept going up in miles. But I had this secret that I was keeping from my wife, this secret behavior. And uh, the secret that I had was um, just about every night driving home, I'd go through Burger King. And I'd get two whoppers with cheese, dairy, and, and and fries, and I typically could eat them in my car on the way home, and and that was my secret. And I say I'm not hungry tonight. She'd be so proud of me for skipping supper, and um, <laughs> so we're running. We're getting up in the morning to run, and this this dairy is impacting me. And we do a four mile run. I'm huffing and puffing. Six miles, eight miles, ten miles. I am huffing, and we'd finish the run, and she goes, "What's wrong, honey? What? I mean." I, you should be able to do this and i say oh honey it must it must be the air there must there, there must be something here. it's my allergies and and i'm keeping this secret and we're running and every single day i'm having this problem and so we're pretty far into the training we had a 10 mile running day and she she approaches me at the house afterwards and she says uh she says there's something you're hiding from me what what aren't you telling me and so the Holy Spirit had been convicting me. When you're a Christian, he'll convict you. And he'd been, he had been convicting me about coming clean and not hiding that. And, 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 and it was wonderful because I couldn't gain weight running that much. So it was really good. And I actually was losing a few pounds. So I thought this is an opportunity to have more food. And uh, so (laughs) you can see where the problem, the root of the problem is. So, uh, so finally, I thought I should yield, I should yield to God and, and come clean. And I had fought it weeks and weeks. So I looked at her and I said, honey, I've been hiding something from you. Now she's nervous like it's really bad. And I I said, uh, I've been eating two Whoppers with cheese and a fry every night almost. And and she goes, well, you know what dairy does to you? Plus, you shouldn't be eating that bad food. And and I said, I know, I know, I know, I know. But uh, uh, we're going to talk about this today in a spiritual sense. We're going to talk about what I call secret behaviors. And a secret behavior for us Christians is anything that we're doing that we know God doesn't want us to do. So that will vary depending on where you're at with your walk with God, and you may hear me say some things. If you're visiting, that you say, "I can't believe that's wrong." But here's what happens: you accept Christ, and when you begin to follow Him, you read your Bibles, and as you read your Bibles, uh, He begins to show you things He wants you to purify yourself from, and walk away from, and clean your life up. And so I've been serving God, walking with Jesus for about 37 years, and. And little by little, he shows us stuff, and it's never everything at once. I, I really believe if God would have showed me everything I needed to prune out of my life at once, I would have I died of a heart attack instantly. But thankfully, he took time, and it was slow. And we call that the purification process. And God's going to do that in all our lives once we accept Christ. But uh, there are times in my life over the years, not just with two Whoppers and cheese, but things I knew God wanted me to give up. I remember when I was a single man, God would deal with me to give things up, and I was very sexually active before I met Jesus, and so he's dealing with me before I'm a married man to, to deal with this and deal with that, and, 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 and I, would, I would just hold on to things and say, God, uh, it's not that bad, and uh, you know, you'd have your fights and your arguments, but even as we grow in Christ, there's gonna be times when God will deal with us, and this isn't just about sexual purity, and we'll see that as we progress, but recently um, I heard all this to-do about this show called Game of Thrones, and if, if, if you're watching it, please don't feel any condemnation, but I heard so many great reviews. They're winning all this, these awards, and newscasters are talking about how they watch it, and I'm like, and, and I love drama. I love that kind of drama, and they're saying how great the drama is, and all these awards are being won, so I thought I'll buy it on Amazon Prime, and and I'll binge watch it. I'll, I'll watch eight episodes on my day off, and just just you know watch this real quick. And I think it was already in season uh, three. I think was beginning something like that. So I was going to buy season one, but then I thought I better check the reviews. So I went to IMBD, you know the app where you can check movies, and they have what they call a parents guide. So I went to the parents guide because that's where I want to see what 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 else is in there, and. It just said sexual nudity, sexual nudity, sexual nudity, sexual situation, sexual, sexual nudity, and I'm reading that and I think, wow, and 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 I read about it and I saw how good it was, but I also saw that. So now here I am. It's not just because I'm married; it's because I'm a Christian. If I was a single man, I would have had to make the same decision. And I remember saying, God, um, I can fast forward, you know, you, you know, I, I'm quick on the draw, and uh, and and then God just. I, I just knew, it wasn't even a fight, I knew I, I can't watch this, and, and yet that could have become a secret behavior if I wanted it to. I could have watched it without anyone knowing, but I had to make a decision that when I know something's not right, I, I can't do it. And here's the thing about so many things. Listen to Proverbs nine seventeen. 17. Uh, it says, stolen water is refreshing, food eaten in secret tastes." the best. Now, when you read this ninth chapter, when you get to this verse, before the verse and after the verse, God's talking about, again, sexual purity. So it's all about sexual purity. And Here's what I love about God. God is so cool. God is so cool that God lets us know some things are really fun. Even though I want you to stop, it's fun to do them. And that's what he's saying here. There are a lot of things that are fun but i want you to become more pure and i want you to become more christ-like and so for all of us in this room we'll deal with different things today and again my heart's not to condemn listen very carefully i'm not talking about something that you do and you sin and then you repent that's not what i'm talking about we all fall we all make mistakes here's what i'm talking about something that you know god doesn't want you to do he's been dealing with you you keep holding on to and it doesn't have to be anything sexual it can be anything you're just holding on to that baby and you won't let go and is it fun oh it's usually very fun I remember uh, I quit smoking the day I accepted Christ because I don't know I had such a dramatic salvation I was 19 it was dramatic and I was such a terrible evil person and and so the day after i threw all my marijuana down the toilet and flushed it i broke my pipe that i smoked my marijuana with i thought i might as well throw these cigarettes out too and and all the other things i had and all my porn and all that stuff and just threw it all away but then you know you you know i'm single and you start living and you get around someone smoking a cigarette and you're like oh that smells good and uh and you start to think about the pleasure that it brought you and so i had all these fights they'd come back at you at times and you have to ask yourself, you, you know you can hide something, but, but here's the thing about God, Romans 2.16, it goes like this, and this is the message I proclaim, that the day is coming when God, through Christ Jesus, will judge everyone's secret life. And I know you and I as Christians, when we accept Christ, He washes all our sins away. It, it, it's so cool. And I know we can't work our way to heaven. We go to heaven because we believed. But as we showed you last week, it was an incredible message if you weren't here we just we pointed out that God created controls and knows everything, and, and, and God knows what's going on behind closed doors, so there's nothing we're hiding with him. And typically, he's the one dealing with our heart to, to let it go, and when we let it go, all kinds of incredible things happen. But if we hold on to it, it really can mess our lives up. Here's something that's really important to understand. I stole this off my son Joe. He did it in a message. I borrowed it, not stole it. And it goes like this. The enemy wants you to hide sin now so he can expose sin later. God wants you to expose sin now so he can hide sin later. And we're talking about that secret behavior. And you know what the enemy wants you to do? He wants you to keep it a secret. Do you know why? He wants to embarrass you in the future. He wants wants you to trip up, he wants to mess your life up, he wants to ruin a relationship, maybe a marriage. He wants you to keep that a secret because he knows you'll stumble somewhere in the future and you'll mess your life up. And I want to share a story about God because the the second part is God wants you to expose it now so he can can hide it later. And here's the heart of God. He doesn't want you to share it in church today. He doesn't want you to tell everybody. But but he wants you to give it to him. He wants you to expose it and say, Lord, I give it up. Do you know why? He wants to protect you. He wants to protect you. He doesn't want that thing to go public. He doesn't want it to ruin your life, whatever that secret behavior is. And some of our secret behaviors aren't even secrets. They're things God's dealing with us to get rid of that society accepts. But no matter what, God's heart is, I wanna protect you. So I'll tell you a story. And, and I can share names only because this was international. It was on TV everywhere. Happened in the 80s. It had to do with Jimmy Swaggart. And Jimmy's doing well now. He's a minister now, doing great. He's come back in a good way, um, but at that time he was the biggest, and still is, he, he was the biggest evangelist in the world. No one's ever had the impact that he's had, and uh, he, he brought millions to Christ, had the biggest meetings ever in history, the biggest, the biggest ministry ever, and one day he gets caught with a prostitute in a hotel room, and, and, and his ministry falls apart. Everything falls apart, but here's the backstory. He had a mentor, his name was Lester Summerall. Lester's in heaven now. Lester was from South Bend, Indiana. And I had Lester in to preach at the church years ago and I had him at dinner and he told me this story. I would have not known it if he didn't tell me. He was one of Jimmy Swaggart's mentors and he told me I was in prayer and God told me fly to Louisiana and go talk to Jimmy. And he said, tell Jimmy he needs to let that sin go or it's gonna ruin him, it's gonna bring him down. So Lester flies there, and of course Jimmy opens his home up, he knows him, it's his mentor, and they sit down and Lester tells him, and Jimmy Swagger says, no, because you're wrong, there's nothing like that happening at all in my life. And you know, just months later, it was exposed, and that's what the devil wants to do in every one of our lives, with every one of our secrets, he wants to try his best to expose them. Get a hold of this, this is what I want you to walk out remembering today, your secret life alters your public life. My, my running with my wife was altered by my secret dairy cheese that I was putting down at night and it's just what it does. And I want to show you that in the positive first but also I want to talk to you a little bit about it in the negative because I know there's only a few of you here that have secret behaviors today. I realize the majority of you don't. Um, I, I, I don't have any right now, I've, I've, I'm clean, it's hard for you to believe, but, uh, but, but I am, uh, I'm clean between my wife and I in every area, and, and um, so for me, this is just about becoming more and more pure, this is about helping other people, this is about me knowing how to minister to people, this is about the wisdom of God growing inside me as I learn these things, and our secret life will always alter our public life, it always impacts it in one way. Or another so here's a positive i love this scripture it's matthew 6 and verse 6 and it reads like this but when you pray go away by yourselves all alone and shut the door behind you and pray to your father secretly and your father who knows your secrets will reward you and i love some translations say he'll reward you openly and this doesn't mean we can't pray in groups. We can't have corporate prayer. I was had corporate prayer yesterday at 9 a.m. We had a great time praying for, for you guys a lot. But what this is saying is when we do things that are positive, our spiritual routines, it's going to bear fruit in our life. And, and no one may know what you're doing behind closed doors. You're reading your Bible. Um, you're praying. You're fasting. Whatever it is, you're giving. No one may know any of it, but God sees it. And God is telling you it will impact. It will alter your public life. And there's a story that came to me. I, w- I was at my niece's wedding in the beginning of July in South Carolina, and her grandpa, which would be her mom's dad, uh, him and I talked a little bit. He's 83. He was pastor for 40-some years. Now he travels still as a missionary at 83. He told me, he reminded me of a story I told at a minister's conference. He was at the conference, and I told a story, and he said, this story changed my life. And he said, I've shared it over and over. And, and when, I, when he reminded me of it, I thought I should share it in this message. It will be really good. It's a positive story. And it has to do with a pastor friend of mine uh, who wasn't a pastor when this all took place. Um, he was a mill worker down in Aliquippa, PA. And him and his wife saved all their pennies. And they eventually bought their, or, or built their dream home. So they built this dream home. Then he accepted Christ, and he became a Christian. So now he's a Christian, and he's doing what all of us do. He's reading this Bible, coming to church. He's learning, and he learned about this thing called tithing where you give a tenth of your income to God, which when I first heard it, it blew every gasket I have, and I said, God, you're crazy, and got mad at my pastor for driving a new car and all that stuff. But he, he learned all that, and one day he came to his wife, and him, his wife's learning with him. And he said, you know what, we can't tithe with this payment we have for our dream home. He said, let's sell our house so we can tithe. I'm not advocating that today. I'm not telling you to go sell your house or anything. It was just a decision he made. They did it in secret. They didn't tell a soul, but they did it. And you know, years passed and years passed. Finally, he went to Bible school. He became a pastor. And here he is, I don't know, a couple, maybe 20 years later. And he tells the story. It's a remarkable story. A guy in his church said, I want to take you to, to lunch, and he took him to lunch. They had a great lunch, and then the guy said, I just built a home. I want you to see my house. So he takes him to this house. He's walking through the house, and he's thinking in his mind, this, this guy, he's thinking, This is my dream house on steroids. I'm so happy for him. This is a beautiful home. And so after he's all finished, the guy looks at him and he says, Man, congratulations for your home. And this guy looks at him and says, Listen. About a year ago, God told me to build this house and to give it to you. Obviously, it was a wealthy man. He said he told me to build this house and give it to you because he saw what you did in secret and he's blessing you publicly and he handed him the keys. And I I share stories like that because they impact my life. I think, whoa, God doesn't miss anything we do. And uh, whatever you guys, whatever we do in our secret life, it alters our public life. So let me show you a couple ways secret behaviors that are negative can alter your public life that you and I may be hanging on to. The first way is, um, secret sin causes us to do dumb things. And, uh, you, you, know, when you have a secret behavior, that's a sin, according to the Bible, uh, we're walking in darkness and we can all agree when we're in darkness, we stumble. And that's, that's what this is all about. And I want, I want you to remember that this, I'm going to tell you a story that this was going to stay with you for the rest of your life has to do with desitin. And, uh, when our kids were young, I changed our diapers once in a while, but I was usually at the office a lot. And when I came home, uh, sometimes I changed diapers. And Gina always wanted me to put Desitin on, so my kids wouldn't have diaper rash. And uh, you know, Vaseline is really thick, but Desitin's—it it is so thick, and then it's gritty, and then you have to wash your hands over and over, and it just doesn't—it just sticks to your hands. And so I, I would do that and then wash my hands over and over. Well, one day I had, a, I had a men's retreat that I was going to speak at for the church, and I'm packing real quick, and the desitin tube is turned on, on the backside, so I pick it up and think it's toothpaste. It's in our bathroom, and I, I put it in my bag. So I wake up in the morning, and, uh, it, and and I got up early to beat everybody. I wanted to pray and get, go over my message. So I have all the lights dim, and the lights are dim, and I'm, I shave in the dim lighting. Then I grab the tube, and it's dim so I'm not seeing Desiccant. I put it on my toothbrush and, and I, I'm a fast brusher so I just start and, and brushing. And, and all of a sudden I tasted a taste like I had never tasted in my life. <laughs> it's the grossest taste ever, guys. Don't try it. And, and uh, talk about working hard to get something. I, it, it didn't come out the first day. It, just, that, it was the grossest thing I've ever tasted, ever. Now, that was a dumb thing I did, but I did it because I was in the dark. I couldn't see desitin because it was too dark to see, and I mistook it uh, for for toothpaste. And every morning from this day forward and every day when you brush your teeth, I I want you to remember, if you're holding on to a secret behavior, it's going to cause you to make a mistake, make a bad decision. It's going to cause you to do a a, a crazy thing. Think of desitin. I want to read you a scripture that talks about that, all right? You ready? Proverbs 5.22 says this. The shadow of your sin will overtake you. Uh, You'll find yourself stumbling all over yourself in the dark. And all this is saying is when there's something I'm doing that I'm not supposed to, and I'm hiding it, everything, my decision-making ability becomes darkened. And I, I end up doing things, and later on I realize, man, that was the dumbest thing I ever did. And all God's letting us know is, hey, one of the reasons you want to let go of secret behavior is so that you don't stumble and fall in that darkness that you're, you're living in. Here's the second reason. Uh, secret sin, that secret behavior blocks God's help. And listen to Proverbs twenty-eight, thirteen: People who conceal their sins will not prosper, but if they confess and turn from them, they will receive mercy. And all of us love mercy. God, God's so good. He forgives us every single time. He forgave us in Christ. Now, listen. This isn't a talking about you blowing it because I blow it every day. Every day I say something I shouldn't say, think something I shouldn't say, uh, think, say something to Gene I shouldn't say and, and, and have to say, I'm sorry, you know, I'm a jerk. And, and so I do all that. Th- that's not about this. Uh, that th- this is concealing. Concealing is you know it's wrong and you have no intention of stopping it. And, and what happens is God's not able to put his hand a blessing. God wants to put his hand a blessing, not just for our money, but every area of our life, he wants to put his hand of blessings on our life, and it stops him from being able to do that. Here's a great Bible example. It has to do with Achan and, and Joshua 7. So here, here's the story. It's a cool story, guys. Um, the children of Israel wandered in the desert 40 years. Finally, they're ready to cross the Jordan. They're ready to take the promised land. The first city is Jericho, and uh, it's a walled city, and they could not take the city. It, it's impossible. They needed God's help. But God pushed the walls down, and they took the city, and they were feeling really pumped and good, man. Like we, we did this, no problem at all. So then there's this small city right nearby called Ai, and Joshua said, you know, we just took this incredible city. I'm sending 3,000 soldiers. You guys will wipe them out, go wipe them out. So they go up to wipe them out. But in the meantime, when it comes to Jericho, here's what God said, here's the backstory. God said, I want that whole city dedicated to me. I don't want you to take any livestock. I want you you to sacrifice everyone to me. I don't want you to take any of their clothing. I don't want you to take any of their silver, any of their gold. I want the whole thing to be dedicated to me, to be given to me. And it was kind of like his tithe for the land of Canaan. And so one of the guys, Achan, he saw this robe and he said, that's too good to, to let go. Then he saw some silver, he saw some gold, and he said, I'm going to take this. Nobody will miss it. Why burn it? It's really good. It's really valuable. So he hid it under his tent. So that's the backstory. They go to fight uh, Ai, and they get whooped. Ai destroys these 3,000 soldiers. Many of them died. They're running back to their camp. They tell Joshua what happened, and Joshua falls on his face. You know what he does? He begins to blame God. He says, God, how could you forsake us? Why did you deliver us from Egypt as slaves? Did you deliver us to humiliate us? Why are you doing this in our life? And he's blaming God, and I've done that many times. And God says, stand up and listen to me. God speaks to him. God said, I can't help you because someone's holding on to something I asked you not to hold on to. And they got it right with Hakan. They went and they whooped Ai and they whooped the rest of the promised land. And it just paints a beautiful picture that if there's something God wants us to get rid of and we don't, it's going to stop him. He wants to bless you. God wants to bless your life so much and it just holds his hand of blessing back. And as soon as we say, God, all right, you want me to drop this, I'll drop it. You want me to stop doing this, I'll stop doing it. And it releases God to help us. So I want to just talk about three things as I close out. And then we're going to have a moment of worship. I want to talk about three things you and I can do uh, in order to come clean if we need to come clean. And these are principles I use all the time in other ways. But let's talk about the first one. And it's just this simple, make it right with God. And I'm making it right with God regularly, not out of condemnation, but just because I do things and I say, God, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have did that. Second Corinthians 4.2 says this, but we put aside all secret and shameful deeds. We do not act with deceit nor do we falsify the the Bible, the word of God. In the full light of truth, we live in God's sight and try to commend ourselves to everyone's good. This is Paul talking about himself as a minister, but the principles are for all of us. You know, Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. So he was an example. And you see what I highlighted. He said, I put aside all secret and shameful things. And here's what he's saying. When God shows me something's wrong, I put it aside. And then he says, I walk in the light that I have. We all have different levels of light. So again, I don't want to condemn anyone with anything I say, but here's the heart of God. Our vision as a church is we exist to connect a city with God. And the first connection is meeting Jesus. The section, second connection is discipleship, picking up our cross and following him. And that is a process. And we're all, we're all doing that. That's something I'm not perfected at, you're not perfected at. But the idea is, when there is something that God's dealing with us, we make it right with him and we say, God, this is where we expose it. God, I give it to you. I'm handing it over and, and, and we live a clean life. I don't live a holy life because I'm married. I live a holy life because I'm a Christian. I live a pure life because I'm a Christian. I was living a pure life before I met my wife when I was single and wasn't perfect, but was growing in it. So it's, it's not because I'm married, it's just because I. I love God and I'm serving God and I want to be pure for God. So here's the second thing. Uh, I I think all of us, if we have a secret behavior, we need to come clean to a mentor. And James 5, 6 says this, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. Love this translation. Notice how prayer and confession are, are connected And I'm not talking about every time you sin, you have to find somebody to talk to. This is referring to someone that's a spiritual person in your life, someone you respect. And the Bible is just saying, it's good for us to go to somebody when we miss it and say, hey, will will you be my accountability? Will you be my mentor? So as, you know, I'm 37 years plus as a Christian. I've had mentors my whole Christian walk. And for us guys, this is a tough thing to do, you know, especially if, like I remember before I was a pastor, I was involved in my church, and it was hard to go to one of my mentors, and here I am working in church, and say, I'm struggling with this sin, and I-, I need to tell somebody, and I need you to pray with me. That, that, my pride really struggled with that, and of course, you also have fear. Like You've got to really know they're not going to tell anybody, but here's what I've found. I need someone to be accountable to. All of us need someone to be accountable to. It's not just anyone. It's not standing up in church and telling everybody. It's that person that you consider spiritual, spiritual dad, spiritual mom, whoever it might be. And I have guys in this church, I'm so proud of them. They come up to me and I can't do it for everyone. Sometimes I have to dish people off to other spiritual people in the church, but they'll come up to me and say, "I I need to talk to you. And then they'll tell me I'm struggling with this sin. And they're so grateful that I don't condemn them. I say, okay, well, I've struggled with that one. No problem. And, uh, and let's pray. So I, I pray with them. And, and, then, and then I hold them accountable. And if they fall, you know what they do? They call me and say, I fell. Can you pray with me again? And I just, I hold them accountable. And it helps them grow. And I think all of us need that. Here's the third thing. And all of us can do this third thing, too. Um, you want to release your secret behaviors and stay free? You look into the light, man. And... Uh, I want to talk to you about the light, because this is important. You and I as Christians look into the light as we read our Bibles, and we worship God, and I think all of us can agree, the, the brighter the light, the more we see, right? We just see a lot more, and uh, I have this problem. I call it my nuclear hair, and it's this white hair that grows out of my forehead right around here, and I'll tell you why I call it nuclear in a moment, but I look every day in the mirror I shave, and I look for it everyday but it's the most amazing thing. Uh, if I get into my Jeep, the top's down, and I look into the rearview mirror, some days I look and I see a one inch plus nuclear hair just dangling like this. And I'm driving in the wind, and it's just going like this. And I'm like, so I tell Gina, why didn't you tell me? And she goes, I don't see it. And, and I'll ask other people, you're my friend. If you see the nuclear hair, let me know that it's there. And I, I call it nuclear because I think it, sometimes I think it grows in one day. I don't know, so that's why I call it nuclear here. But, but it's amazing if I'm in the right lighting, I can see that. If I'm not in the right lighting, I can't. And, and that's what I think is so cool about God. The closer we draw to him, the brighter the light, the more we see. So I wanna share a story with you and read you one verse of scripture in a moment. It has to do with Isaiah. Isaiah was taken to heaven. I can't even imagine what kind of experience that must have been. And the Bible says he saw Jesus on his throne and he saw the angels, you know, worshiping and, and, and circling around the throne and, and he saw all the glory of heaven. And, and then this happened. Here, here's his response. It's, it's incredible. He says this, Isaiah 6, 5. Then I said, my doom is sealed for I'm a foul-mouthed sinner, a member of a sinful foul-mouthed race and I have looked upon the King, the Lord of heaven's armies. And you know what? You and I, when we accept Christ, there's no condemnation. We know we're saved by grace and all of that, and, and he forgave all of our sins. I understand all that. I wanna make sure you know I know that, but here's what I've experienced in my life. The closer I draw to God, the more I read my Bible, in moments of worship like today, our first three songs, last week, our last song we're gonna sing in a moment, in, in, in times like this, it's just like I get closer to God and I begin to see parts of me that need to change. It, it's amazing. And if you have a secret behavior, you know it has to change. But in moments like this, you get the grace and the strength to change. But it's the most amazing thing. So I I, w- I was uh, on vacation in in July, and I took two weeks where I prayed and I studied and just had personal time, and I made notes and created notes. And uh, I came back last week, and I sat through the worship. And worship last week and this week was incredible. It just was incredible worship. And, and I went went home after worship last week, and, and, and I told my wife, I said, I was in worship, and I said, I felt like, I just said, I, I just felt so close to God, and I said, I just felt like I'm not even worthy to pastor this church. I said, I'm so unworthy. I said, I can't even believe God uses me, and I'm going on and on, and she stops me. She says, is there something, you're, like, are you in sin, and you're going to tell me that, and I said, no, no, I'm not in any sin at all. I, I said, it just like, I, said, I feel like I drew closer to God. And it just I, there's just something that happened. And, and I said, the closer I get, the more I see I need to change. And it's not condemning. I wasn't condemned. There's just something about the presence of God. So in a moment, we're going to worship with one more song. And here's how I teach people to worship. If you're brand new today, here's how you worship. I, I need to close my eyes. If I don't close my eyes, during like fast songs, I'll keep my eyes open. But a slow song, if I don't worship like this... I'm such a gawker that I'll look at everybody's clothes and I'll, I'll just, I'll look at how much fog is in the air and, and, and I'm, I am so distracted so easily. So, so I close my eyes and I just imagine that I'm standing right in front of the throne room of God. So I just imagine I'm, I'm like Isaiah and I worship as if God's right in front of me. It's not weird, but I just worship God with everything. And if I have to read the words, I'm still imagining I'm right in front of the throne of God. I just worship my heart out. And that's how you worship. And, and for some of you, I believe this is going to be a defining moment in your life, an impacting moment in your life. And, and so in just a moment, we're going to have that last song, and I'm going to pray before the last song. But before I do, I want to pray one other prayer. Can we bow our heads, close our eyes? Let's pray, guys. Lord, I thank you for helping me teach uh, this part of the Bible, and I did my best, and I know you, you speak to hearts as I talk, and thank you for doing that. Lord, if there's anyone in this room that hasn't met Jesus like I did and like others, uh, Father, I know you've been working on hearts the whole time, and I thank you right now, Lord God. I thank you for opening up eyes to Jesus. So heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Listen, I want to make an invitation to pray. Here it is. It's real simple. I'm not asking you to join Believers Church. I'm not asking you if you're a member of a Christian church, if you grew up in church. I'm not asking you if you were water baptized as a baby. I'm not asking you if you were water baptized as an adult. Those are all great things. Here's what I'm asking you Can you remember a day when in your heart you saw Jesus as the Savior and you made a decision to accept Him and to follow Him? And if you say, Pastor Joe, I was in church or wasn't in church, but I can't remember that day. Here's what I'm asking you today. The Bible declares he died for your sins and God raised them from the dead and whoever calls on his name will be saved. The Bible calls that the good news and that's our first step into the kingdom of God. That's how we're born into God's kingdom, become one of his kids. And if you're here and you say, Pastor Joe, I believe that I'm ready to pray today and make a decision to follow Jesus. Would you pray with me right now? Everyone else in the room, would you help them pray? Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. If you're praying this the first time, just simply mean it, pray it from your heart and say this after me. Say, Lord God, I repent of my sins, and I make a decision today to accept Jesus. Jesus, I believe, and this day, I make a decision to follow you. I make you Lord of my life. Amen. Thank you for listening to the BC Podcast. Follow us at A City Connected on Twitter and Instagram to stay updated, inspired, and encouraged.